Yo, check this out. My name is Ezra Hill, and right now, I'm introducing you to my podcast. It's called Hill of Beans. It's a podcast about nothing and everything. My co-host Casey and I are going to be breaking down life from the perspective of two Midwestern middle-aged minds. We're not experts, just ordinary everyday people like you trying to navigate this vessel called life. And these waters can get rough. Our goal is to help keep you on course without having to abandon ship. So, I hope you'll enjoy our episodes. You just might find them inadvertently interesting and informative. And hopefully it'll amount to more than a hill of beans. The Hill of Beans Show. I am Ezra Hill. Here with my sidekick, Casey. Oh, I'm your sidekick? Which, Yeah. Is that like when you're, you're the are you be- driving the motorcycle and I'm on like the... You're in the sidecar. The sidecar? You're the better half of the Hill Bean <laughs> Show. That's for damn Well, then sure. why am I not driving? Uh, you should be driving. Oh, okay. So I'm turning, I'm handing the wheel over to you <laughs> right now. And I'm going to... You're doing good. You ha- you haven't wrecked yet, so we're good. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, so what's, uh, what are we, what's on the agenda today? Hmm. Ezra, you know what? I just feel like we need to talk about, we, we've talked about dating and, you know, all that love oh, yeah. stuff. Oh, yeah. Love. But you know what we haven't talked about? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> the kind of love when you kind of feel like beat up, but it, but it's really for a good reason. And I think they call it tough love. Oh, yeah. Tough love. I mean, <clears throat> Yeah, that's a that's a good topic. Uh, oftentimes, dating, I feel beat up. Well, yeah, like exhausted. Mentally, well, yeah, physically. That's what I'm talking uh, about. But yeah. I'm not talking about that. Okay, but you're but talking I, about like, someone that loves you, but they're laying down the tough love. Not someone that's just not like what you using you for a steak dinner. No, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, not the kind of tough love that we've been talking about with you. Like where you know you go through some shit. with your dating yeah this is going to be like the tough love in a good way okay so i've experienced a lot of that in my life do you not feel okay so i've had to personally reflect recently with me you know when i have to you know crack down on my my child oh yeah and the older she's getting the harder it is Do you feel like, I mean, I think that that's something that, you know, people struggle with daily as far as how to execute a plan with their children, or it even could be a spouse or at work or something where you're, say say you're a boss and you need somebody to perform better, right? Mm -hmm. Then you have to crack the whip. (laughs) Is that what they call it? Crack the whip? Yeah, you have to crack the whip. It's, it's a uh, tricky formula because you have to crack the whip, but at the same time, encourage and motivate. Um, it's a tough, it's a tough, uh, thing to juggle. That's for sure. Because I deal with that at work a lot. Yeah. I was going to say you, you manage people, right? Yeah. I've pretty much, uh, for most of my career, I've been in the, construction industry managing uh people and it's uh extremely difficult Mm -hmm. what is where do you think the balance is or how do you execute when you say somebody at work is not doing a good job 
and you really like this person, right? You like them as a person, but -hmm. you need them to do better for you. But you don't want to like come at them in a way where you piss them off and they quit. That's a that's a hard balance, like as a boss to execute that. Right. So how do you how do you do that? Um, generally in, in my cases, you know, I'm a small business. I manage generally, I manage 15 to 20 people, um, at a time at my company. So we're, you know, we're a small business, uh, typically and being a small business, I don't have an HR department. Like I am the HR. Mm -hmm. So typically I, you know, will pull someone in my office if they're not performing well and just be like, Hey, what's going on to find out because generally if someone's not performing well, the, you have to find out what the reason is behind that. Mm-hmm. You know, is there something going on with their life where they're just distracted and there's other issues that they're focused on to where they're not concentrating to work? Do they have stuff going on outside of work that they're bringing to work mm-hmm. or is it where they're just kind of generally, a lazy person or they're just not putting right. forth the effort because they don't care. You mm-hmm. know, I, I try to decipher that first and then, uh, make I mean, when you bring him in, do you have that conversation? Like, Hey, you know, anything going on at home or like, Oh you, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you do. And, and I, you know, I'm not, I don't try to pry into anyone's business. Um, but I just basically like, Hey, if you need to talk or get something off your chest, I'm here and we can work it out because I've been there. You know, I've been in situations where I've had shit going outside of work that it's very hard to focus when mm. you're at work yeah. because you're worried about what's going on at home or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it might not be, that might not even be the case. It might just be like, Hey, you know, I'm stuck in a rut. I'm not motivated. I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know what my purpose is. So those are things you have to discuss with them too, you know, and, and I tell them, I'm like, if, you know, if you're not, if you're not feeling this job and you don't like it or whatever, then, you know, it's okay to go somewhere else. Mm-hmm. But I have to draw the line of, if you don't perform to this expectation, I'm going to have to let you go. Yeah. And I think that that is, that's huge because in tough love, you have to set boundaries, mm-hmm. right? Even with our kids, we have to set boundaries. And that's what I'm learning with my, and look, I've already done it. This is my fourth. She's the youngest and I'm still learning how to set boundaries and make sure that once I set those boundaries um, or expectations that once they are not following through with that, that it is discussed uh, you know, and I, you know, I know we're talking work over here and I'm talking my daughter over here, but really it's all the same, uh, outline, right. On, on tough mm-hmm. love. Yeah. And I think there's different, uh, there's different definitions maybe of tough love because I think there's a version that is productive and I think there's a version that is maybe more anti-productive. And what Mm -hmm. I mean is the tough love of where you just beating on somebody all day long. That's called mental abuse. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. But some people, some exactly, but some people confuse it and they say, that's just tough love. Suck it up. You Mm, know? Yeah. And that's, that's what I've experienced a lot of my life Mm. is that form of tough love, which is actually mental abuse. Okay. And Um, are you saying like in your, 
work or are you talking like in your dating life? Oh, uh, all aspects. Or marriage or all, all aspects. Growing up, playing sports, uh, family, relationships, marriage. Mm-hmm. It's all, I've dealt with it my entire life. <laughs> so yeah, in, in sports, that's a good, that's a good, uh, I remember when I was in good one right there, seventh or eighth grade. Uh, and this sticks out to me because it was so impressionable at, at such a young age for me mm-hmm. was my coach called me a pussy. <laughs> oh, oh. <laughs> and I remember. And so, I mean, it was entirely inappropriate. But I ended up scoring two touchdowns the rest of the game after he he said that to me. He got me fired up. (laughs) He did. So let me ask you this. Was he, did he do that on purpose to get you fired up? Well, I'm sure he he did. And he, he, like the following week at practice, he apologized to me. He pulled me aside and apologized. Mm -hmm. Um, But looking back at it now, you could never, I don't think you could ever get away with that these days. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't know. I, you know, I'm not. I'm not into high school coaching or any of that stuff. Uh, or I think they or do middle get school away with that, that. But I don't know what goes on there. You I know? do think that they get away with it. Now, but, I'm not saying every coach does it, but I very much think that that stuff still, you know, is going down. Uh, it, and it probably does. I just think you at a, a coach, being a coach this day and age, you have to be extremely careful. Oh, yeah. Because the there are a lot of individuals now that won't put up with that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes, and I'm not saying that, that, you know, the word he used was appropriate at all. I think there's other words you can use to get the same point across. Mm-hmm. And that's, um, what, that's what you, you have to choose your words carefully because your words have meaning. Yeah. yeah. And I think once you say it- shit, once you say something, you can't ever take it back. You can apologize, but you can't ever take it back. Right. And I think that a great coach, they are great at doing that. Mm-hmm. They can still get the message through as the same person that used the foul language. They have another way of doing it. And it is in the tough love category. It's not going to bring that person down, but it's going to be impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, a good story, you know, cause I've had, you know, in basketball or golf, I've had, you know, so many different types of coaches, but I'll give you a story that really impacted me and it was on the golf course and it was with my dad, because if anybody really was a full-time coach to me from my whole life, but even on the golf course, it was my dad. Um, I was playing in Wham and on the third hole, um, and he was caddying for me. On the third hole, I, you know, we, we had to go over water and I was asking, you know, what club I should use. And, you know, and I was very young and immature, so I wanna state that now, okay? So he told me that I suggested another club and I ended up going with his club. And I came up short and it went in the water. And I, immediately got so pissed off and was bitching and just so mad at him. Like I told you I should have used the other club and I acted completely, um, in a way that I, I should not have disrespectful to my coach. Okay. He, at that point dropped my bag in front of everybody. And he said, I will see you when your round is over. You're carrying your own damn bag. (laughs) Have fun with that. And he walked off the course. 
And the rest of that round, I was only into the third hole with that behavior. The rest of the round, first of all, I I ended up playing decent. I didn't do great. I felt like my, the person that inspires me or drives me was not there beside me. I had to think about what I did and never again since that day have I ever behaved like that again. And that is tough love. Yeah. He set his boundaries and I disrespected him in a way that was not okay. And he didn't tolerate it. And it was done and it changed that one decision that, and the way he handled it was really well. It changed my path. Yeah. I think that's a good example of appropriate tough love Mm -hmm. Um, because he set his boundaries and he made his point and he taught you respect. Mm -hmm. And so I, I agree with his method. Yeah, absolutely. Now what about like in tough love, you also have to enforce consequences. So if yeah. you do this, this is what's going to happen. So yes. that's in work, kids, everything, right? Exactly. So how do you how do you properly enforce the consequences and then follow through? Um, like with your kids, did you did you enforce? Like did they know if you do this, this is the punishment? Well, yeah, to an extent. I mean, I wasn't the custodial parent. You know, well, before my divorce, my kids were young when I got divorced. But before, you know, we were divorced, we did, you know, time out and, and grounding and things like that, which I think they do work. You know, if, if they're misbehaving and you take the video game away, I think that that's appropriate parenting. Absolutely. Um, you know, for for like at work, for example, I mean, I have to be clear on what the expectations are. That's the other thing is some people fall into this realm of like it's the saying in in, in work uh, being a mind reader, you know, where if you're not clear on your expectations and then you're getting on an employee for doing something you didn't want them to do, but they didn't know they weren't supposed to do that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Then yeah. that's not really that's fair. That's on you, right? Because you did exactly. not set the boundaries. And that happens a lot. Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it happens in all aspects of, of work, um, but it happens a lot. I experienced that a lot in my uh, my industry um, coming up in my career where you know, these certain individuals expect you to read their mind and just know what to do. They assume you're going to figure it out. But the reality is, if you're not trained properly, um, you're not going to figure it out. So communication expectations have to be very clear. Out of the gate. Yeah. yeah. And you also, I mean, if you say, hey, if you do this, this and this, I'm going to terminate you. You better, if they do this, this and this, you better fucking terminate them. Otherwise, you're setting a terrible precedent for the rest of the company. Mm-hmm. Well, like know. he got away with it, so I can do it. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And then if you let one go and not the other, now you're discriminating. Yeah. Yeah. Because and, it's a double that, standard. That, um, you know, that was sort of a struggle with my company for a while. And I really had to dial that in because, it, you know, I just leveled the playing field. And I, I was like, I'm not putting up with shit anymore. Here's the rules and, and expectations. And if you're not going to be a team player, then you're out. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I, I've let guys I've let some guys go that had been with me for like 10 plus years, you know, really good employees. Well, not necessarily good employees. They were really good and knowledgeable workers. They just had attitudes and they didn't want to follow the rules. And so at times 
I would be lenient with them because I didn't want to lose them, but they would continue to push the envelope and see what they could get away with. Mm-hmm. And then finally I was like, look, I can't do this shit anymore. It's not fair to the other employees. So I just went through and kind of over the last couple of years, cleaning clean house. house. <laughs> exactly. Daddy's cleaning house, exactly. kids. <laughs> uh, and it sucks, but you know, but now, after I got rid of the bad apples, uh, my company is running pretty good right now. You got to get I'm rid of the bad happy. apples. Yeah. You know, I was down visiting my, so something, um, and, and it's hard to execute, like you said, when you finally let the person go. I was down, me and my husband and daughter went down to see my parents and we were staying down there with them for a little bit. And my youngest was getting in trouble and I had threatened her, you know, multiple times. If she does this, she's going to get, you know, in timeout or, you know, her phone taken away. Well, actually my phone, she doesn't have a phone. And my mom finally looked at me and she said, so are you going to actually do it? Cause she just <laughs> did it again. Yeah. So we get lazy. And oh, I yeah. knew I was like trying to just threaten it, not actually doing something about it because I was being lazy and executing mm-hmm the the consequence yeah right because i'm tired right i mean she's eight and you know i'm not (laughs) and she can she's faster than me and she's got more energy and i'm like oh it's i'm tired but you have to even when you are tired still execute yeah it's easy to be passive absolutely in tough love and keep giving more chances and more chances yeah um and that Ultimately, you know, when you keep doing that, it seems to be like um, a way of, you know, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It's a way of like extending the situation, whereas, and it's making the situation worse in the long long run. Whereas if you just nip it in the bud and you take care of the problem immediately, it's going to save everyone a headache. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was very blessed. Like my kids behaved really well growing up. I never really had a problem child. Um, but if my kid ever started getting out of line, I would even remove them from the situation. You know, like if we're in a restaurant or what, you know how you go to the restaurant mm-hmm. and you're trying to eat with your family or whatever. And then there's some kid over at the other table that won't shut up. Yeah. And he's crying. You know what I mean? Just causing all kinds of problems. Mm-hmm. And you're like, dude, uh, which, you know, that's sometimes that's what happens. But if my kid ever started doing that, I immediately would remove them from the mm-hmm. restaurant. I'm like, we're not doing that here. Mm-hmm. And you're going to go and you're going to sit in the car. I'll, I'll wait outside the car until you're done. <laughs> yeah. So my mom, I don't know, you know, how your parents handle things, but this is the good old days. My mom in church, like when I was just being ornery or whatever, or out, like you said, she would give me the secret pinch. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It is the worst. Sometimes it's a pinch or even just a look. She would act like she's wrapping her arm around me, you know, (laughs) and then she would tuck her hand right under that arm and give me that little pinch. And I knew I was like, oh, crap. (laughs) yeah it's time to stop mom serious yeah um yeah parenting's tough but um you really gotta lay down the law if you want your human beings to your little humans to grow up to be decent people otherwise they're gonna be monsters and you know uh it's interesting because i recently have been watching some documentaries about um this guy ah, i forget his name and i apologize um but i wasn't expecting to talk about this today, but this psychologist, 
he did these interviews with Ted Bundy and some other serial killers to try because he was trying to figure out what makes these guys the way they are. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, so far through the the through the episodes I've watched and in other documentaries I've watched about these individuals as well. Uh, or serial killers in general is a lot of it stems from their childhood, just things that happened to them during their childhood. And it builds and snowballs from that, mm-hmm. you know, abuse as a child or whatever. And so it's very, um, you know, human kids, it's such a uh, vulnerable and impressionable stage. And that's where it all begins. Yeah. You're and, molding. Yeah. Yeah. You're molding. Yeah. And so, the reason, and I'm starting to figure this out too, is a lot of things about myself, why I am the way I am, stem from my childhood, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's how most adults are. I mean, I'm no expert or psychologist or anything, but from my own research and and stuff like that, I've found that, <clears throat> you know, we are the way we are being adults and it stems from our, our childhood and how we were raised and brought up and how we dealt with conflict and trauma mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Mm-hmm. True. Um, enforcing and what happens when you're younger is uh, so impactful and you are constantly molding um, that behavior because all that child knows is what's around them. And when you let them get away with things you are enabling them. Um, I remember during a basketball game and I was very young at the, I was at like maybe fourth or fifth grade. Um, I did really well. And I, you know, I went lights out as far as points. And I remember thinking, Oh, right now is when my parents were like so excited right now is when I'm going to tell him like, I suck at school. I'm going to have a bunch of C's and D's on my report card and it'll be okay because I did so well in this game. Seriously, that's the way my little brain worked at that time. (laughs) So, cause I needed the perfect time. I'm like, well, they're so happy about this that they they'll be okay with that. And so I remember going up to my mom and it was actually like at halftime. And I thought I'll just squeeze this in now. Cause I was already like, (laughs) just, I did so well. And she looked at me and she did not say a word. And I just like slid it in there like, hey, I just want to let you know I'm not doing so well in school. And she's like, well, what do you mean not doing well? I'm like, it's like kind of really bad. But it's okay, mom, because I've got like 20 points right now and we're going into halftime. Yeah. Hold on. When I got home, they did not waver. And I got in so much trouble. That basketball game did not even happen. They did not even acknowledge it. And in my mind, I thought, oh, well, I'll get away with it because I did really good in my sport. They kept my shit in check. Like, no, life is not about sports. We're proud of you over here, but you don't get to slack over here. Right. Yeah. But they said, had they responded like, yeah, great job. And, you know, who gives a shit about school? I would have been like, who gives a shit about school? Right. But P.S. I was the worst student ever. Always. (laughs) Always. <laughs> Just oh, note yeah. that they really had their hands full. I was never, I never excelled in anything academically. I always had tutors. I had tutors in college. Like I did not like school. Yeah. It's not for everybody. No. Um, it's a, uh, it's tough, but good for your parents. I mean, I think that's how parenting should be. Um, you know, you should definitely support your kids in sports 
but uh, you need to make them well-rounded individuals um, because the chances of them uh, going on to play like a professional sport are very slim. And I think, I don't know. I mean, I've been down that road, you know, my daughter played volleyball and travel volleyball and all this stuff. And she played in high school and it's tough, but during all the club sports and all that, never once did I say, did I think, Oh, she's going to play in the Olympics, you know, and I, and I don't mean to disrespect my daughter. I'm just saying right, you, she needs yeah. to make sure she's getting an education. Right. Well. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think always as parents, you keep, you should keep that in check of really how big is this going to be in their life? Right. Right. It, it'll be a learning lesson yeah. and make them better people. But are they really going to futuristic, futuristically go anywhere with it? Um. Let's talk about the other side of the coin. What about in relationships and marriage when you're, what is the proper way? So say your other half is not doing the things they should be doing or not, you know, coming, they're coming up short as far as your expectations. What is the way to give tough love in a relationship and receive it. So we're talking about give and receive. How do you, like, if I'm on the other side of the coin and I'm getting it, how do we all and like take that and not a negative way and understand this is my spouse. They love me and they're just trying to communicate to, to get more out of this relationship and not take it personal. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you know, tough love in a marriage or relationship um, you know, I, I think, I think the bottom line is for a relationship is communication and expectations and making sure you're letting each other know what your needs are, um, in an appropriate way. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think you should be, uh, you know, condescending or passive aggressive yeah. in a relationship because, that's taking you down a road towards resentment. Give me an example of condescending. Uh, like if you're a man and you're in a relationship you're with your wife or a girlfriend, how, how do you want to be talked to, to for them to get the message across and it still be where you're not offended? Well, what I've picked up on is <clears throat> it's never a bad thing to say, hey, when you do this, it makes me feel like this Mm. to where you're telling them what they're doing and you're telling them how it makes you feel to where they, hopefully they're understanding what you're saying rather than just, you know, giving them the silent treatment for two weeks. And then he's trying to figure out what the hell did I do? Right. right. (laughs) And I think it's important too to like, Hey, you know, you're doing this and this is how it's making me feel. I want you to know I love you. But I'm not happy in this. Like, can we work on this? I want you to know I still like love you and I'm not disappointed in you, but it's like bothering me. Yeah. um, That's we're Yeah. Using good, loving, encouraging words go a long way. Making your uh, spouse or partner feel appreciated and respected um, because that's where my marriage failed. Uh, I didn't. I didn't get that in return, you know? Um, and so it ultimately broke down our marriage. And I think, 
it's extremely important. I, I mean, you can, you know, you can, you know, the old saying, oh, the old ball and chains busting my balls. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's a, you know, it's a funny saying, but it, to, to some extent that that's okay. I mean, you, it's okay to be a little bit hard on your spouse if needed. You know what I mean? If you're trying to get a point across like, Hey, you know, I know you want to watch football this afternoon, but we really need to do this, mm-hmm. you know? Uh, but you don't, you don't want to just take it to the extreme and do that all the time where you're just irritated with life in general. So you're taking it out on your spouse. Exactly. Because like I said, that leads you down the road of resentment. Mm -hmm. And once you start resenting each other in a marriage, Mm -hmm. that's almost the point of no return. And I think we've talked about that, that you have to have reasonable expectations in a relationship to where you're, you're not nitpicking because you understand that nothing's ever Perfect. Yeah, it's a, um, it's a, it's a two way street. Like I, I, my saying is like, I'm bringing my fifty, and you bring your fifty, so we can make one hundred. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, it's a, it's a fifty fifty thing. Yeah. Uh, to make it work. Pride, pride gets in the way a lot. So oh, yeah. you have to be willing to take responsibility. Yeah. So when you know, so if my husband is coming to me and saying, you know, Casey, you know we need to work on this or, you know, he wants more out of me, you know, it could be time or, you know, you know, I I could give you examples and these are are just examples. It's important, I think, to take responsibility and look internally because when you are in that relationship or marriage, you want them to be happy. And unless you're willing to look at yourself, you know, and observe yourself and take responsibility Nothing's going to change. Yeah. Right. Exactly. I agree. But there are people that there's so much pride, mm-hmm. even in, in your, in whether they're employed mm-hmm. um, or in a relationship that if you say one thing to them about doing something wrong, their ego is so bruised and they cannot accept any, any uh, constructive criticism. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, and once you get into that category, uh, your marriage is in danger, not only of falling apart, but just getting into this uh, complacent, dead marriage. I've encountered a lot of individuals throughout my life that are in a hopeless, terrible marriage. And I'm like, well, why don't you just, if it's that bad, why don't you just leave? And then they're like, well, I don't really know how to survive on my own, you know, the kids, this, that. Um, and that's a terrible situation because it, it drains you and there's no happiness or joy in the marriage. You're just married. And it's almost like they live separate lives from each other too. And it's, mm. um, I never want to be, I never want to ever be in a, a relationship or marriage like that. Cause I'm like, if you get to that point, you know, I don't understand why you're even together. Mm-hmm. And then that, you know, you start looking outside the marriage for attention and this, that, and the other. And it's just, it, it opens up a door to bad things. And I don't really understand why people, do, I mean, I understand why people do it. I just don't know why, like, why don't, why don't you just get out of the marriage? I mean, it, it, I don't know. It's sort of something that, that, uh, uh, perplexes me in a way like I, I it's interesting in a way because I'm always interested in how humans behave and interact in relationships 
but to me, it's, it's very exhaust, sad. It's, I think they should exhaust all avenues, though, on trying to fix it first. Oh, absolutely. And then if they've done all that, then it's yeah. a, because you don't want to be like a serial, you know, relationship. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what person that gets married, you know, 10 times. Oh, yeah. Right? I mean, that's the but other... if you're willing to quit when t- things get hard. That's yeah. where you'll be. Yeah. I mean, I've I've been married once. And, you know, people ask me often, do you think you'll ever get married again? And I'm like, well, I'm not ruling it out. I mean, ultimately, deep down, yeah, I do. I would love to. But I'm not. I, I've learned so much being single and going through relationships and going through a divorce and dating and all that, that I know what I need in a relationship. And I know what I can bring to the table that I think can can make a relationship work that I don't ever want to get myself into a, a bad marriage again. Like, you know, the, the saying, oh, I'm not going to settle, you know, that's sort of where I'm at in my life. Um, and it's difficult because I'm not going to settle, but I don't want to be too picky at the same time because I understand the perfect human being doesn't exist. Mm, you know, we right. all have faults and, and, and things that are going to flaws and it, that are going to disrupt or aggravate you know, the relationship or the other person. And those are things, if you love each other, you find ways to work through them. Mm-hmm. You know, that's part of it. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, it's a, it's a difficult thing. And I, sometimes I'm like being married in a bad marriage that's hopeless and there's, you know, sex, it's sexless and there's just no love or joy to me. That's as bad as just I, actually, I think that's worse than being alone and mm. single mm-hmm. <laughs> in my opinion. Yeah. That's deep. Yeah. I think executing to um, the reflecting. So I can tell you, like, you know, me and my husband really work on reflecting at each other. So if he says something's bugging him, I will say, so what I heard you say is to make sure he knows I heard him. Um, And then also with your children, when you're disciplining they're obviously not going to reflect. You can try and teach them to reflect. But when you say, I'm doing this and I know, you know, you're not going to be happy about it, but I'm doing this because I love you. Mm-hmm. I'm doing this because someday it's going to make you a better person. Or with your work, when you're working with your employees, also, I'm doing this, having this conversation with you because I want this company to be the best it can. And so I need to get the most out of you can out of you that I can in your potential. It's nothing personal and reflecting on, you know, that this is not out of not liking you, not loving you, not respecting you. This is about growth, communication and a relationship. Right. And and who we are going to be and who we are currently. Yes, I agree. Totally. Um, so, yeah, whether it be relationships or uh, work, um, friendships, um, coaching, sports, whatever, um, tough love, tough love's not a bad thing. I just think there's an appropriate way to do it. There's an approach. Yeah, you can't, you know, there's, there's the whole sort of military concept and coaching, you know, where you break somebody and then you build them back up. Mm-hmm. You know, I think 
I think that does help and, and go and goes a long way. But the important thing there is building them back up. Right. Because I've been in situations where I just get beat down and beat down and beat down and there's no building back up. Mm-hmm. And that's what crushes a person. That's what a bad coach does yes. right there. Yeah, absolutely. If you're going to tear a person down, there better be, you know, support behind it and love behind it to build them back up. But really, you should never even have the words tear down, right? Mm-hmm. You're just having them acknowledge what they're not, what, that they're not executing their potential. Right. Right. And there's a way to say that. I agree. Well, this was deep. So there's a little, there's a little dose. There's a perspective of uh, tough love from Hill of Beans. Yeah. Like it or not. Like it or not. Take it or leave it. (laughs) Take it or leave it, baby. All right, well, we're going to wrap this one up. Uh, Casey, what's our email? All right, you guys, you can check us out. Um, Join our Facebook group. It's Hill of Beans with Ezra and Casey. Um, It's a super fun group, and we get to interact with you guys personally. Um, You can check us out on all channels with our podcast. If you want to personally email us, you can email us at hfbeans at gmail.com. See you on the next episode.